I think sometimes when we're going through um, reading the Old Testament, we tend to think of the things that happen and the stories that we read almost like a sitcom. And sometimes almost like a cartoon sitcom, like Saturday morning cartoons, is we have in our mind what, what does Noah look like or what does Moses look like. I mean, I have an image in my head. I echoed, sorry. I have an image in my head of what they look like. Maybe it's from a movie I've seen or something, or maybe I've just come up with what their facial features are and how tall they are and stuff. But from a sitcom, what I mean by that is, is I think sometimes we see all these as isolated incidents. So if you watch sitcoms, hey, there's this funny storyline, they get to it, and there's a conclusion. Then the next episode, there's a whole new storyline, and then there's a conclusion. Then there's a whole new storyline, and we see them as isolated incidents that never really interact with each other. Um, and also, because of that, I think sometimes we, we think of these often like a fairy tale land. That when we read secular history, do we connect in the things that we're reading in the Old Testament in with secular history that we read about in our history books, maybe in school, or you like to read history books? A lot of this stuff happened at the same time. The things that we read about in Genesis were going on at the same time as a lot of these dynasties and kingdoms that you read about happening thousands and thousands of years ago. All this was going on. So, what I wanted to do, open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 5. And really what got me started doing this, I have some very, very nerdy tendencies. I'm okay with that. Y'all can know it. My sister's here. She can confirm it. I was one of those in school. I used to read my textbooks cover to cover just because I enjoyed doing it. I don't know. But I looked at Genesis 5 one time, and there's a big section in Genesis 5 that is simply a genealogy. Most of the time, we try to skim through those very quickly. We don't know how to pronounce the names. We just run through them real fast, sometimes maybe even skip it, go to the end of it, and then keep on reading. Well, I decided I wanted to try to map it out and see if I could understand the genealogy in Genesis 5. And again, I did it in the nerdiest way possible. I put it in Excel, and I made a bar chart. So I want to show you my bar chart. Don't close your eyes yet. You're not going to fall asleep, hopefully. So... I think we can hear people talking over the cameras downstairs. I don't know. Y'all know what that is? Huh? Oh, Danny, if you're listening, you have connected to the cameras. We can hear you talking <laughs> over the cameras. <laughs> it's kind of like a ring, you know. Yeah, the ring doorbell. So if you've turned on the cameras from home, we can hear you. <laughs> anyway, I don't hear him now. Maybe he, maybe he got my message. <laughs> All right, so if you look at this, and I tried last, yesterday, I sat down and tried to blow these up. Can you all see the names and numbers on this? I tell you what, why don't you all do this? We all love each other. If you all would like to scoot forward, you will be able to see this much better. Thank you, Michael. Danny said sorry. <laughs> We're good. All right. If you all sit in the back, it's your own fault if you can't see. All right. So what I did 
is if you look at this chart, does this have a pointer? Hey, this is Adam right here. So if you look at this line, this is year zero. That is creation. That's when creation happened. This orange bar, and Cleet, I'll try to stay out of your way. This orange bar is basically the length of Adam's life. And there's a number 930 right in the center of that. That's how many years he lived. All right. Then each one of these numbers down here, that's a 500-year increment. So there's 500 years from creation, 1,000 years from creation, 1,500 years from creation. Does that make sense? So he lived 930 years. Then his son Seth. And I'm, just, I'm going to details just on these because I want you to understand how this is set up. So Seth, the little gray part, that was before he was born. So there's 130 years prior to Seth being born. So he was born 130 years after creation. He lived 912 years and then died. So this 1,042, he basically died 1,042 years after creation. Does that make sense how this looks? I'm not going to go through every one of them, I promise. But that's how you read this chart. And if you just do some basic math in Genesis 5, because it tells you how long somebody lived, and then they had a child, and then they lived so many years after that, and then the next person lived so many years, they had a child, so on. You end up with this. Now, I will let you look at this for a minute, and I want us to talk about it. And this is where you guys are going to talk. So the names across this side, if you can't see them, there's Adam, Seth, Enish, Canaan, I always say Mahalalala. I don't know how you say it, Mahalalal or something. Jared, Enoch, Methuselah, Lamech, Noah. So if you look at the genealogy listed in Genesis 5, it's this. That's how long the people lived. Now, this red line, you can probably see that written at the top. It says flood. Year 1,656. The flood happened 1,656 years after creation. And I know that because Genesis 7-6 tells us that Noah was 600 years old when the flood happened. So again, it's just some basic math we can do, figure it out. Now you guys tell me, what, what jumps out to you about this chart that maybe you've never noticed before? Remember, I told you all one time, I am the master of awkward silence, so I will stand here until <laughs> somebody says something. And I'm trying to get out of the way so I'm not in your all's way. Well, Methuselah did. Yes. So if you look at this here, the flood was in the year 1656. Lamech, Noah's dad, looks like he hits right at the flood. He actually died five years before it. You can't tell from this chart because the, the scale is so big. But he died five years before. But what year after creation did Methuselah die? He died... 1656 years after creation which is the same year the flood happened so let's talk about that for a second did Methuselah now what, what's unique about Methuselah why do we know his name he's the oldest man recorded in scripture so we always say he's the oldest man that ever lived he might have been he's the oldest man recorded in scripture that we know about he died the same year as the flood 
did Methuselah die in the flood? The Bible doesn't actually say. The Bible never tells us if he died in the flood. Now, and this is where I kind of want class to go with this. I want us to look at this and think a little bit. Do some critical thinking like we used to do in school. Noah was a righteous man, right? For your children to become righteous people, where do they probably learn most of that from? From their parents, from their grandparents and stuff. It makes me think, and this is just, this is Jonathan's gears turning his head. I can't support this in Scripture, so I want to say that first. Was Lamech, Noah's dad, also a righteous man? But he wasn't around to get on the ark during the flood. He died before it. Was Methuselah a righteous man or was he an evil man? We really don't know for sure. But yeah. I can tell you somebody that was. Who's that? Enoch. Huh? Enoch. Enoch was a righteous man. So we'll talk, let's hold on to Enoch. We'll talk about Enoch here in just a second. We do know Enoch was a righteous man, which would have been Noah's great grandfather. So if you had Enoch that was righteous, and we'll talk about more details on him in a minute and what we can learn from this, and Noah was righteous, I find a hard time believing that the two generations in between them were evil. Again, that is just me. I'm just trying to think of stuff. But then how did Methuselah die in the flood? Or did he? Did he die in the flood, or did he die the same year the flood happened? Now, I've often wondered, because Methuselah, remember, he's 969 years old when the flood happened. Did God purposely wait till Methuselah passed away on his own to allow the flood to happen because he knew maybe he wouldn't be able to survive on the ark? That maybe his health would not be good enough to last that long and not have whatever else. I don't know. Maybe God waited until that happened so that he didn't have to die in the floodwaters. Or maybe he died in the floodwaters. I just don't know. I've often wondered, too, is what was the world like before the flood in terms of how people interacted with each other? It was very wicked. Very wicked. Did Methuselah die by means other than natural causes. Meaning it's a homicide. Homicide doesn't always mean murder. Homicide simply means you died by means other than natural causes. So did Methuselah die from homicide? And to God, that's like, all right, I'm done with these people. Noah, get your family, get on the ark. We're done. I don't know. It's just something to think about. What I want us to do is when you... All of this came simply from the genealogy listed in Genesis 5. When we read through that stuff, don't just skip it. All right? I think there's a lot of stuff that you can learn from it. Now, what's the right answer about Methuselah's life? I don't know. Could he have lived longer and he drowned in the flood? Maybe. Maybe he helped. Noah built the ark. 
Maybe he assisted in it and then just died before the flood happened. Maybe Lamech helped Noah building the ark. There's just not enough information in the Bible yeah. The Bible doesn't give us any details on it. That's one of the things, I have like this checkbox in my head of things I want to ask God when I get to heaven. This is on that list. How did Methuselah die? Was it in the flood or did he die before the flood? So let's talk about Enoch since you brought up Enoch. What's different on here about Enoch? It just jumps out at you real quick. It's short. Everybody else is, you're looking at roughly 900 years. So it's 930, 912, 905, 910, 895, 962. Enoch hit 365. <coughs> Why did Enoch only live 365 years? Did he have a disease? Was it like tuberculosis? Carried directly to heaven. Yes. The Bible tells us that Enoch was taken. All right. In Genesis, that's all it says, is that he was taken and he was no more. So what does that really mean? Well, if we were over in Hebrews, Hebrews gives us a little bit more details. That it says that he was taken and he didn't see death. All right? Now, we don't know how he was taken, what was the situation like. We know when um, Elijah was taken, there was some type of a storm, wind, something involved. There was a chariot, a fire that came down that blocked him off and the wind took him. Maybe that's what happened with Enoch too. We don't know. The Bible just doesn't tell us. Yep, in Jude 14 he's mentioned as well. I actually had to write a blog post about him here recently. Enoch's name is mentioned ten times in the entire Bible. Eight of them are in genealogies. So Hebrews 11 and Jude 14 are the only two places in Scripture where he's mentioned outside of just a listing of genealogies. But Enoch was taken. And we may look at that and say, okay, well, I don't know. There's, what else can we learn about that? Yeah, but not just about Enoch, about what the Bible says about him. Well, he took him and said he, uh, he walked with God. He walked with God, so we know he was a righteous man. Who was his son? Who was Enoch's son? Methuselah. Methuselah was Enoch's son. If my dad disappears, just disappears, I, was Methuselah with Enoch when he was taken? Did God give him a warning that he was going to be taken and he got to tell his family bye? Or was he just taken? That's what the Bible implies is he was just taken. Like again, we don't have any details around it. What did his family think? This is where I'm saying is let's not kind of put all these stories we read about in the Old Testament into kind of their, their own little silos. Enoch lived at the same time as... Okay, there's two people on this chart that were not alive at the time Enoch was. Adam only lived 930 years. Well, Adam was alive with them. I would say at the time that Enoch was taken, there's only two people who were not alive. Adam had already passed away, and Noah had not yet been born. Other than that, everybody else on this chart was on the planet when Enoch was taken. Do you think they knew about it? I mean, his dad, Jared, was alive. If Tucker disappeared one day, 
do you think I'm going to notice and be wondering where he's at? I just imagine what family reunions were like with this. And you get there one day, I'm like, well, God took Enoch. He's just not there now. Who's going to manage his household for him? Because he had children. I mean, he had Methuselah. And it said he had, and it said he walked with God after Methuselah was born, and he had other sons and daughters. So he had other family members. Did Jared have to step in and help? Did Methuselah now become the head of the family, the birthright that we talked about? Did Methuselah get that right then, and now he's kind of the head of the family of that group? This is where I want us to start thinking through some of this stuff. What else do you see on there? So. Adam died 930 years after creation, right? Sorry, Cleet. <laughs> 930 years after creation. Noah was born 1,056 years after creation. So Adam and Noah did not know each other. Every other man on this chart could have sat and talked to Adam face to face. That means... Noah could not have got a first-hand account from Adam about what creation was like and what it was like to name the animals and what it was like to walk with God in the Garden of Eden. But he could have got a second-hand account because all the rest of these men down through here could have got a first-hand account of what the Garden of Eden was like. Even though you're eight generations later, Adam could have known his, their son, grandson, great, 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 great grandson. Could have, you can talk about your grandparents telling good stories and you want to listen to them. Imagine the stories that Adam could sit and tell. And all the things that he saw. What the earth was like after, after they were kicked out of the garden. Both of them had a time in their life where they were the oldest men on the planet. Noah and Adam. So, they were the ones to repopulate the earth. Correct. Or to not repopulate with Adam, but yeah. Anything else from this? Because I do it more. If you flip over a couple chapters into Genesis 11, there's another genealogy. So I did the same thing on that one. So, Let's now look at the genealogy on Genesis 11. Only difference is now the bottom is Noah. All right, so this is basically where the flood happened. So this is everything from the flood on. So Adam's at, or sorry, Noah is at the bottom, and this far left now is the thousand-year mark. So I just basically cut off the whole left side of the chart because there ain't no reason to have it up there now. So this is at 1,000 years, 1,500, 2,000, and 2,500 years. Tell me some things that you see from this chart. So I'll read the names to you just so you know. So there's Noah, Shem, Arphaxed, Salah, Eber, Peleg, Ru, Sarag, Nahor, Terah, and Abram. So this is from Noah to Abraham. Tell me some things that jump out to you about this chart. It is, yes. This is going through Jim's, Shem's genealogy because that's what's listed in Genesis 11. Yeah. So if you look at 
This chart, you're looking at around the 900s on lifespans. There are two main shifts in lifespans that are mentioned in Genesis 11. And again, you don't really notice these unless you sit and read through the genealogies because the Bible doesn't say there's a shift in lifespans. But there's two. You have Noah was at about the nine, he was the last one at about the 900 range. But then you have Shem, his son, hit 600. Then you had this drop to the 400s right here. So you had three generations that were in the 400s. You have 438, 433, 464. Then you had another drop, starting with Peleg, that dropped down to the 200s. Why? All right, so let's talk about that then. So what was life like on the planet prior to the flood that all of these men lived through, outside of it being evil? I'm, I'm talking physical science. Yeah, everything was watered from the ground, the dew, you didn't have the rain. Yep. Let's think through this. And this is where I want us to try to connect secular history, science that we hear about or read about. There have been things that have been found buried in Antarctica, like palm trees they find in the ice. Why would you find a palm tree in the ice in Antarctica? Why do you have a tree that runs vertically through sediments of rock when you have all these different rock layers that they're saying are hundreds of thousands of years difference between those rock layers or millions of years or whatever, but then there's a tree that runs vertically through all of them? Yeah, but what that also tells me is the planet was different before the flood than after. Yeah, so... So the, fountain, yep. so the fountains of the deep opened. And I've wondered before, there's been people that have found just these giant holes and caves out in the ocean, in the ocean floor. I've often wondered, was that a spot where maybe a fountain had opened up part of the flood? I don't know. But it also, so there were two sources of water for the flood. You had it, the fountains of the deep were opened, but there was another spot. Where'd the other part of the water come from? The windows of heaven were opened. So if you read through the, the creation account, it talks about that God had separated the waters above from the waters beneath, and he called the difference in between was heaven. Okay, That is not him separating the waters on this planet into like different oceans. There was a different thing of water. So back to what William just said about some people think there was a difference in the ozone. There's a theory. You can get online and read about it. I tend to believe this. This is what I think happened. There was a moisture barrier around the entire planet prior to the flood that almost made the planet like its own greenhouse. So when you had the Garden of Eden, you probably had somewhat of a tropical climate over the entire planet, which would explain why they have found palm trees in Antarctica buried in the ice because there might have been palm trees there at one time. So if you open up the, if that 
moisture barrier, and again, this is a lot of speculation from Jonathan. You're not going to find this in Scripture, so just know that. But if that moisture barrier opens up and that rain comes down, and that's what was the windows of heaven being opened for the flood, and now that moisture barrier no longer exists around our planet, what is that going to do to the climate of the planet? Everything's going to change. So I bring all that up now to say, why would there be a life expectancy drop right after the flood? Yeah. You, you have UV light maybe now getting through that didn't used to get through. So maybe there's skin diseases that are starting to happen at this point. More water and stuff on the planet. So that's where you grow bacteria and different things. And so you have different diseases maybe are starting to pop up. I don't know. This is speculation, but I want us to think about it. Yeah, which also, yeah, the, the planet changed, which also makes me wonder, well, first question, were dinosaurs on the ark? Did dinosaurs really exist or did God like, when he created the planet, he like planted some bones down there for us to find of animals that didn't really exist? And then in that same, same, cha- in that same book, uh, the same chapter of Nine, it, it talks about our age. Mm-hmm. It says the days of our lives are Yeah, absolutely. Everything that happened was to guide us towards Him. Wholeheartedly, I believe dinosaurs were on the ark. I think alligators are just dinosaurs that kept living. Yeah, well, that brings the point. What caused them to go extinct? Maybe man. What did we say was different about the planet after the flood? The climate all changed. Yeah. Does that mean there's certain animals that could survive on the planet prior to the flood that maybe couldn't survive very well in this new climate that existed? Maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yep, footprints of man are with them too. So, wholeheartedly believe dinosaurs survived the flood. But, yeah, they're, dinosaurs, not every one of them was the size of a T-Rex. I mean, I think tortoises were prob would have probably been considered dinosaurs back then. Well, there's pictures of them up until the age of 1,400 and 90 over in the yeah. Taj Mahal and uh, even in Peru, uh, even in the Indian uh, things uh, that we see in uh, Arizona. Yeah. Uh, there's pictures of them. Oh, absolutely. All right, so let's move on from the flood now. So that... Maybe that explains this drop in, in age. Man's lifespan's cut in half. There's another drop in man's lifespan. Happened after Eber, right here in the lifetime of Peleg. Let me throw this up here. Whoop. Yeah, question. No, go ahead. Yeah, the, humans, the human diet changed. Yep. Did every plant grow back the exact same? I, probably not. I, there's a lot of stuff that was going to be different about the planet before the flood and after the flood. All right. Great, great point. A lot of that may have had something to do with it. So let me get to this next slide. And this is where you think we might take a weird turn. Pyramids. If Robert was in here, Robert jokes, this is my ancient alien uh, <coughs> uh, class. When you think about this, what do you think of? Egypt. Egypt. So what are these pyramids? <coughs> yeah, well, I mean, it, it, they're the pyramids of Giza. These are in Egypt, all right? Archaeology says these are about 4,500 years old. So if we're going to connect secular history to biblical history, does those, does those, do those, and this timeline need to match together somehow? Because if the flood was going to destroy the planet, would the flood not have destroyed those? So let's think through this. So I threw some new dates up here now. I don't know if you all can see these. There's some purple dates at the bottom. So not only is this now saying the number of years from creation, so 0, 500, 1,000, I have B.C. numbers down here. Now, I did not make those numbers up. I don't know if those numbers are true, but here's where I got them from. There was a man. He was, I got his name here somewhere. All right. It was the Archbishop James Usser. He wrote a book in 1650, the year 1650, called The Annals of the Old Testament Deduced from the First Origins of the Word. That was the title of the book. But basically what he did is he claimed that he was able to track back through history a true timeline of the entire planet. And he came up with the year creation happened. Now, I have no idea if he really got it right, all right? But according to him, he said creation happened in the year 4004 B.C. That would put us to about a 6,000-year-old planet, which is about in line with what we believe, all right? So what that means then is that if the flood happened 1,656 years after creation, 
we're looking at a what? 2450 BC, roughly, is when the flood happened, maybe, something like that. So if the pyramids of Giza are 4,500 years old, according to archaeology today, what was 4,500 years ago? If the flood's 2,500 BC, and it's the year 2000, 4,500 years ago, according to James Usser and the timeline he put together, is when the flood happened, which means the pyramids of Giza would have been built right after the flood. So let's put the same thing on this timeline. So this and now it starts at 3004 BC, 2500, 2500 BC. So we have the flood right in there. What is one of the things that happened right after the flood? Well, I say right after. I mean, there's a couple. What's in, in Scripture? After the flood, what's one of the first things we read about then that happened? The Tower of Babel. All right? So the Tower of Babel is one of the first things we read about after the flood. Again, don't silo these stories. All these things happened in the same planet. I don't know if you have any Marvel fans in here. You've got the multiverse and all these different realities going on. These all happened in the same universe. All right? They all happened at the same time. So if we know the flood is that, we do know specifically how many years from creation the covenant with Abraham was because we know how old Abraham was when the covenant was given to him. We're told that in Genesis 17.1, he was 99 years old. All right? So we know for a fact that the covenant of Abraham happened right here in this timeline. According to this James Usser then, that would put 1957 B.C. is when the covenant with Abraham happened. All right? But now the Tower of Babel. Does the Bible tell us when the Tower of Babel happened? If you read through the genealogy in Genesis 11, you get to an, the man Peleg. What is said about Peleg during that genealogy? It said during his life, people were scattered. It doesn't say what that means, but what does it sound like? Because we can look at it as a big picture. If during Peleg's life, the earth was scattered, what does it sound like happened during Peleg's life? The dispersion of the people at the Tower of Babel. Yeah, the Tower of Babel, it sounds like, happened during Peleg's life. Now, where during this little green, or green, that's not green, that's orange, this orange bar, did that happen, that 239-year period? I don't know. The Bible just says the people of the earth were scattered. I'm going to come back to the pyramids in a second. I promise that wasn't just a weird thing thrown in there. So if it happened during his lifetime, I know it's during that orange bar. This James Usser claims he knows when it happened. How he come up with that date, I have no idea. But he said... The Tower of Babel happened in 2242 B.C. That lines up with Peleg's life. If you're counting the genealogies in Genesis from creation, how many years out he lived, and then James Usser said, okay, it's this many years back was when the Tower of Babel happened, it puts the Tower of Babel on the chart during Peleg's life, which is what the Bible says. 
Now, Peleg would have been very young. It doesn't, the Bible doesn't say Peleg was the leader of it. It doesn't say that he's the one that spearheaded the whole operation. It just says during his life it happened. So maybe that is where the Tower of Babel happened. So if 2242 B.C., how many years ago was that from today? Roughly. You don't have to get it exact. Yeah, 4,200 years, something like that. So if the Tower of Babel was 4,200 years ago, how old do archaeologists think the pyramids of Giza are? What did I say a minute ago? 4,500? Puts it pretty close to the same time frame. Here's where I'm going with this. If you look at pyramids all over the planet, all these little stars represent some of the most famous pyramids we know about that exist on this planet. You have the Mayan and Aztec pyramids that are in Mexico here. You have one down in Peru. There's one in Rome, Italy, Egypt. Those are the most famous ones. You've got Sudan, Mesopotamia, and China. Those pyramids all exist all over the planet. And this is where I say Robert jokes that this is our ancient alien class. Where do a lot of people, the secular world, say those pyramids came from? Aliens. Why would they say that? Why would they say that aliens built pyramids? Just to look important. Just to look important. To sell books. To sell books. But... 4,500 years ago, what, were, what was communication like across the planet? You didn't really have it. So how is it that you have several ancient civilizations all over the world all built very similar structures to each other if they couldn't communicate with each other? Yeah, so... If you have pyramids truly existing, and we can't say that, oh, no, science just made that up. They're there. They're still there today. I mean, we can go look at them. All right? So there's these pyramids that exist all over the world built by civilizations that didn't have the Internet and could email each other back and forth. They couldn't make international calls on their cell phones. So how did they all build similar structures? And here's examples of them. Here's the Mayan pyramids today. There's the Aztec pyramids. There's the pyramid in Rome, Italy. That one looks like it's in the middle of a town. It is, all right? Town kind of built around it. That is an ancient pyramid sitting there. There's Egypt, the ones we all know. There's pyramids that exist in Sudan. There's Mesopotamia. There's China. They all look pretty similar, right? Most of the time, if we think of things that have a very similar design, what do we typically think they came from? The same place, right? So they've got a common designer. Now, I'm not going to the direction of saying, well, God's the designer and God designed the pyramids. What I want us to think about is what was the Tower of Babel? So if you go and look at Genesis chapter 11, verse 4, The word tower used here is the Hebrew word migdal, M-I-G-D-A-L. We've got about seven minutes left, so it'll be about perfect timing. Migdal. Now, that word is used several times throughout Scripture. The Tower of Babel is not the only time that word is used. 
If you look up the meaning of that word migdal, you have interpretations meaning tower, either some kind of elevated platform, some kind of raised bed. I'm thinking almost like, you know, people build like the raised bed flower gardens and stuff today. Some kind of raised thing. But all the other places in Scripture where the word Migdal is used, one of the most common things it's actually talking about is a military type thing. That if you want to have a fortress, some type of stronghold, the way it is often described in Scripture is a Migdal. Alright? So, is a Migdal actually what we today call a ziggurat? Some of you may have never heard that word before. But a ziggurat, this, I just looked up ziggurat on Google. That's the picture of a ziggurat. All right? What was the purpose of the Tower of Babel? What did it say that they were building it for? They said they wanted to build a tower that would be a mighty tower that would reach up into the heavens. Yeah, they wanted to make a name for themselves. But if I wanted to build something that was going to reach up into the heavens, knowing I didn't have steel and I-beams and all that kind of stuff we have today, I have always imagined in my head growing up the Tower of Babel was like this weird Tower of Pisa thing, almost like a Dr. Seuss where it just kind of was leaning and stuff, and it's like you're trying to stack Legos as high as you can get them. Yeah. But is that what they built? If, if you wanted to build the most sturdy structure that you could possibly build, what would it be shaped like? A pyramid. Because it's not going to topple over. It's not going to fall. So, is it possible that the Tower of Babel was actually a ziggurat? Which if they're trying to build different layers and it eventually goes up and they're going to reach into the heavens. You may see where I'm going with this. Would today's society have described the Tower of Babel as a pyramid? Is that somewhat what they were building? And the reason I say that is, if we now go and look at the ancient pyramids that exist around the world today, what do those look like? You see, that's the Pyramid of China in the background back here. So these are in China around the base of that pyramid. Those look an awful lot like that. They were building ziggurats. Well, we say if you have different things all over the world that all look like they're designed the same, they probably came from what? The same design. The same designer. If they were building a tower and they built basically a pyramid at Babel, God changes the languages and He disperses them all over the world. What kind of structures are they going to build when they start forming their new civilizations and all the areas where they spread around out? They're going to build what they know. They're going to build ziggurats or what we tend to call today pyramids. I honestly think this is why there are pyramids all over the planet. It's because when they spread out after Babel, they were trying to build the same tower they had just built at Babel or had attempted to build. So... If that's the case, that means all these ancient pyramids would have to be after the Tower of Babel, right? Because if they existed before the Tower of Babel, then you know 
the Tower of Babel was not the original. All right? So if we start looking at the ages of all these, according to this James Usser, that would have put the Tower of Babel about 4,200, 4,300 years ago. The flood about 4,500 years ago, roughly. Well, if the pyramids in Sudan, they're 3,700 years old, according to archaeology. That puts them after the flood and after possibly the Tower of Babel. The Mayan pyramids, 2,300 years ago. The Roman pyramids, that one in Italy, 2,000 years ago, which means they were building it probably about the time Jesus was on the earth. The Aztec pyramids, those are actually only about 600 years ago. Oxford University is older than the Aztec pyramids. Let that soak in your brain for a minute. Yeah. The Egyptian pyramids, they date them about 4,500 years ago, which would put it roughly in the same time frame. Okay, are the dates going to be off 50, 100 years or something? Probably. But where was Egypt in proximity to where they landed the ark? 800 miles south. Yeah. But it was, when you look at a global picture, it's pretty close. When Abraham started going through a famine, where did he go to? Egypt. All right? When um, Jacob and his sons, when there's a famine, he sent his sons to Egypt. You had the Nile River running through there. Egypt may have been one of the first civilizations that kind of got established after the Tower of Babel. And secular history tells us that the Egyptian civilization is one of the oldest civilizations known to man, which means it would make sense as one of the older pyramids, that maybe that's one of the first ones that got built. The thing about Egypt is it's one of the most fertile places in the world. Yeah. Yeah, it's because you got the Nile River running through there. you got a lot of fertile, fertile yeah, land. with the fertile crescent in Iraq. Mm-hmm. It's called the fertile crescent. Yeah. So the pyramid... In China, they say it's about 6,700 years ago. Uh, maybe it was. I, I don't know. I don't, can't explain that one to you. But all of this is all I'm wanting us to do is think. When we're reading Scripture, when we're reading stories in the Old Testament, those are not some stories that happen in some fairy tale land somewhere in some picture book that we're reading to our kids in like cartoon characters. These were real people that dealt with real things on this planet that was all going on at the same time that all of this stuff we read about in secular history went on. You know, the final bell is getting ready to ring. I even think back to people say, well, Noah couldn't have built the ark. There wouldn't, he wouldn't have had the technology to have done that. If you look at these ages, the B.C. stuff, if those are true, the time of the floods 4,500 years ago, what was around 4,500 years ago in terms of technology and building material? Would, would he have had access to nails? Yeah. Would, would he have been, but even taking it out of biblical history and just put it in secular history, would nails have existed? Would hammers have existed? Would hinges have existed? All that stuff secular history says would have existed at the time the ark would have been built. He would have had the technology to have done this. They were a whole lot smarter back then. They were a whole lot smarter than we are today because we can't do it without this little thing. But any questions? I know that's the final bill. Yeah, man was made mature. Well, just Adam. He's the only. The rest of them were immature. <laughs> any questions?
Thank you for your attention.